0: to the gamers' in. come on in pull up a chair next to the fire it looks like you've had a long journey i'm your host jocelyn and joining me as always is my co-host ryan hello ryan hello
1: i don't want to date this podcast but it's international coffee day and i want to know how many coffees did you have today and any amount is is totally fine I've had i didn't quite
0: realize few. it was it was international coffee day i feel like i should have done more to celebrate because i mean I had a coffee today, but I mean, normally I have two. Like I was just, I was super busy at work and I only ended up having one before the pot went cold. So I feel like I did International Coffee Day a disservice.
1: (laughs) Wow. Yeah, you're going to need to kick it up tomorrow.
0: That's okay. I'll just make it up to coffee for the next like 364 days until International Coffee Day again, and I get my do-over. <laughs> there
1: you go. I think that's that's a wise choice. And uh, every day is something. And I didn't want to. I didn't want to post anything because I. I didn't post anything for the last uh, two international days, which I think were International Sunday and International Daughter Day. Um,
0: <laughs> and you have both of those. I do. I do. And I have coffee
1: all the time. Now, d- don't get me wrong. But,
0: I, yeah, so coffee's the most important of the three. No, I didn't post anything for National Coffee Day because I didn't okay. want to get called
1: out later on by my kids when they see like a, you know, Facebook look back and it's like,
0: uh, Dad, how come
1: you posted International Coffee Day but not international not about us (laughs) no but ashley did and i was tagged and that counts i helped i pre-approved some photos i yeah uh, proofread the text uh punched it up a bit (laughs) true
0: social media manager (laughs) yeah even of your kids
1: i said good to go this one needs some touch up uh you know my eyes are closed but that's true in all photos that's just how i take photos so um,
0: I feel like it's just because you have, like, such a big smile that it, like, closes your eyes just, like, naturally. <laughs> it does. Yeah,
1: I tried to take some new photos uh, the other day just for a project. And um, she, <laughs> she says, you need to smile less. It's pushing your cheeks into your eyes. <laughs> and it's just, it like, it makes my eyes just, they, they disappear. And, yep. uh, I mean, if you're looking at the smile, I guess, you know, it doesn't matter what the eyes are doing and just it just looks like the sun's always in my in my eyes and (laughs) it doesn't help even if you (laughs) if you point yourself away from the sun anyways stuff it's it's good it's good stuff um but video games we're here to talk about video games not international when's international video game day i don't know there's
0: got to be one though right
1: (laughs) yeah maybe it's tomorrow
0: yeah it could be but i'm sure the internet will tell us (laughs) that's good
1: i hope so i hope they let us know Um, I've been playing this uh, ninety-dollar collection of old Mario games, and it's how's that going
0: for (laughs) you? It's uh,
1: it's going okay. Here's the thing: I think last week I went a bit hard on 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 the game in that it was more of a negative take. But I want to, I do want to really state that these games are all beloved. I love them all, and they just some some parts of it has aged uh, not so not so gracefully, right? But that being said still a lot of fun to play and they all except for super mario 64 look great you know um super yeah i'm kind of
0: i'm kind of afraid to go in and play super mario 64 because i feel like i have this vision of it in my head and as soon as i go in there i because even from some of like the screenshots and the and the promotional stuff i'm like That doesn't look as good as I remember. And I'm afraid if I go in and try it, I'm going to be like, oh man, this is not as good as I remember. And it's that like weird, it's almost like the uncanny Valley, right? It's not old enough to be like a side scrolling platformer or like eight bit Zelda or any of that kind of stuff, but it's like not new enough to have like the polish and the shine of like the GameCube titles Man, I feel like this is just gonna ruin my childhood if I play Super Mario sixty four because you've got it's not. If I feel like the that experience isn't even going to like contain itself to Super Mario sixty four because I feel like the picture I have in my head of say like Golden Eye and Perfect Dark, right? Those are on the sixty four. If I play Mario and I'm like, wait, this is what it looked like, then it's gonna totally like shatter the image in my head of what 64 games were like
1: (laughs) i I think with super mario 64 in this package uh you do get the upres n64 experience i I really think super mario 64 as originally uh rumors were stating would have highly benefited from from a remake you know in the odyssey engine i think that would have been something a lot of people would pay full price for and we know nintendo would be capable of charging full price for it uh i think it's it's the one game in this in this catalog uh of this collection that would have really been great to have a full remake give it the the crash the spyro treatment where you 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 build it on a new engine exactly the way you remember it um but that being said like it is like a lot of remasters where when you play it, you're going to be, oh, right, this is exactly how I remember it. This is an up Resident 64 game. You're experiencing it with, um, you know, clearer graphics than, I. and you know, I meant to, I have the Wii U hooked up. I have the uh, Super Mario 64 virtual console copy on the Wii U, and I meant to boot it up just to see sort of if this is like a remaster nostalgia glasses where i'm thinking like oh maybe maybe this is a lot looking a lot better you know up and cleaner you know textures and stuff or is it exact like because it's too it's too clean to have been just a just a straight up yeah N64. A straight
0: copy yeah yeah
1: because i i think it it is a re, it is a an, a an hd bump right and the one thing you'll notice with with super mario 64 is like it's it's muscle memory it's one of those games that i played a lot of as a kid and a lot of memories come flooding back. And, and I'm going through it. Um, the kids don't really like Super Mario 64. They, they like Space Mario. And they like Sunshine Mario. And that's their two favorite. <laughs> and we're, we're constantly bouncing between the two as we play. And I'll be like, hey, let's play Super Mario 64. And and I think the blockier graphics and the more sort of um, just larger than life stuff, like everything's bigger than Mario, I think it kind of freaks them out. I don't blame them mm. because it's like we, we did the water level and you're you're swimming and it's got the eel and it's this yeah. big, giant like triangle monster coming at you and and then you drown and I'm trying to explain to them why Mario you know we had to go we had to, we had to exit the painting it's like oh you know Mario just um he fell asleep while he was swimming it's fine uh we're, we're <laughs> gonna jump back in now and uh oh my god that guy's pretty you know when mario little,
0: yeah when he goes, when he dies he dies <laughs> yeah
1: it, it there's a and then there's like a fire level where the music's all like it's it's very sort of heavy for for a kid right but i'm yeah
0: and then i read like when you die and then the like the bowser face comes at you and it's like oh ha, 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 ha. <laughs> yeah
1: yeah, I a good just, game like, yeah
0: that you know back back when uh, yeah kids were men <laughs> and could handle the scares and i mean they're
1: they're four and they're four and three so I, yeah i mean when i played the game i was i was uh, i I don't know how old I am. I'm not going to do math live on the show, but I believe I was 12 or, or older. And, yes. Yeah. And I just have these mem- like good and bad memories of of playing this game because back in 96 when it came out, it was when you had a game and that's what you played forever, you know. And I remember playing with my brothers. We didn't own the N64. I remember borrowing it from a friend. He He lent me the N64 and Super Mario 64 to play it. And I think I used it as an opportunity to kind of showcase it to my parents um, as a like, look what Nintendo can do now. No more like bits and bloops. It's all like 3D and stuff. Um, and and I, I don't know if that worked out. I think we still had to wait for Christmas. So it didn't, it didn't quite work as a sales It
0: <laughs> Didn't pitch. take. Yeah. No,
1: but I, I also remember getting like every star for it with my brothers. And then we missed, we were missing one. And I think it was one of the early levels and it was the one where you had to shoot yourself out of a cannon, break a wall. I think the the clue for the star was blast blast the wall or something. Something very basic.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And uh, we couldn't figure it out. And this was before we had internet or access to internet, especially in the summer, because internet was something we had at school. And that was pretty much it. And if you looked at a video game thing at school, you basically lost uh, your your internet privileges. Uh, <laughs> they took it. It was very strict there. Um, and... We, we went into a Walmart. We drove all the way to, like, a 30-minute drive to go to Walmart. I think we are grocery shopping. Anyways, and we're going in, and we're, like, we look through the Super Mario 64 manual, and it's like, oh, yeah, for that one, you just, like, shoot yourself into the wall. It breaks apart, and then you got to, like, work your way around and get the star. And I'm like, yeah, only. That's crazy. There's no way I would have known that without a guide. And if anyone did figure that out on their own, like, kudos to you. But it wasn't very... I feel like that
0: was, like, the very first level.
1: It was the second, And the canon was, like, yeah. Yeah. The first one, the first level has its own fair share of, like, weirdness where you can get five of the six stars, but one is locked behind the the flying cap. And in order to get the flying cap, you have to have ten stars and then look up into the sun, which, again, is another one of those things I remember, like, having to figure out through uh, either a friend had the internet and I say, Hey, can you figure this out? And then he printed the sheet. And then I go to my cousin's house at (laughs) like on a weekend. Again, this is all if you guys
0: don't know how good you have it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You
0: kids these days.
1: (laughs) Sometimes I load up my phone and I look at like, Oh, I need to figure something out. And I'm like, Oh wow. This is crazy that I can do this on my phone. But you know, back in the day you, you found out a game was, I remember Kirby 64. Like I didn't know what that game was until I had it in my hands and played it. And I was like, oh, this is side-scrolling? It's not like Super Mario 64, all 3D? I thought everything was 3D. It's all open world. What's going on? Uh, but I'm very much enjoying having Super Mario 64 to myself, so I'm, I'm totally cool with that. But these games yeah. are they're fantastic, and we were talking pre-show about it and when you're going to play it. I think it's re- it's, it is a really good sort of chill, nostalgia trip i I'm just going to bring my Switch to the cottage and play old Mario games cuz they're all they're all so good for that, you know. I think I think that's I think that's the way they're like after the initial sort of run through, I think it will be a game that is just relegated to playing it with uh with Caden, Caden and Abigail like they they will specifically ask for either Space Mario or Sunshine Mario. Um and we've been we've been having a, a really good time running through it and Man, Mario Galaxy is just such a special experience in that it was just all these like really weird, smaller worlds and all the gravity and stuff. It was so different from anything I I had ever played before that, you know, it was such a unique Mario experience. (laughs) Um, But Sunshine, you know, Mario goes to jail in like the first five minutes, which is also a unique experience.
0: Oh, yeah, I remember. Yeah, you, you show up on the random island or something, and then someone evil is controlling it, and they lock you up in jail, and you have to figure out how to get out.
1: Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, so essentially you get there, and there's an imposter, uh, imposter Mario, who's been graffitiing. Yeah. So immediately they give you a cleaning device, um, and that game had come out after Luigi's Mansion, so they kind of, like, tied in um, E.G.A.D., the professor for the lab yep. dude. Uh, so he, you get do they get this device that i don't think egad ever shows up but he's his logo's all over the stuff and that game this is this is another core issue it's not the game's fault it's totally my fault as you're jumping between the three it might be good to pick one and stick with it because as you're jumping through uh and i and i posted some of this stuff on twitter like you're all the games have a different mario sort of move set and of course there's the standard The the noticeable ones right away where Mario can do his little twirl in Galaxy, he can use his flood, uh, his water stuff in Sunshine, and then Super Mario 64 is all the classic 3D Mario moves. But they're not in the other two newer ones, so sometimes you're like, oh, I can long jump here. No, you're just going to jump and then bash your head off something and have to start the level all over again, which is not fun when you've been bashing your head against the level for (laughs) 30 45 minutes uh when it is a 2 minute level so uh there are little things like that but th- these games are are really great and I I guess the only thing I wish I know we won't get it I know th- this was the chance for them to do it but I I really wish they had had a Super Mario 64 remake um again I know they did one for the DS which was great but uh it uh it would be really nice to have something like that I don't think it's possible anymore
0: now that they've done this <laughs> Yeah. So so overall then, between the three games, do you think and I know you've got kids, so you're maybe getting a little bit more use and play out of it than others, but overall thumbs up, thumbs yeah. down, thumbs I, sideways?
1: I think I think it for me it, it would be weird if I didn't give it a thumbs up. I mean, I love <laughs> I love the Mario games uh and also I'm usually if I'm if I like something, I'm pretty positive about it and I and I think This being a full price title makes sense in that they're packaging three games, one of which you haven't been able to play outside of on its original platform for almost 20 years, right? Super Mario Sunshine has not been released on another platform since its GameCube debut in like 2002. So we're coming up on 20 years for that game. And it's so
0: crazy to think that these games are that old. (laughs) Yeah and they all hold up like sunshine and galaxy feel like they were you know i don't know mid 2010s like yeah. <laughs> like if you told me sunshine was like a 2014 title i'd be like yep that checks out
1: <laughs> well galaxy is a is a 13 year old game it was a i think it was a oh mid-Life wii game maybe early like launch window i i can't really remember but 2003 was when that game came out and when you play it on the switch like you see you see its age a little bit, but, but only in, in the parts that uh are are original design, right? You know, these are smaller bite-sized worlds connected through launch pads and stuff. Whereas when you look at Odyssey, these are true open world experiences, like larger Mario worlds, uh similar to Super Mario Sixty Four, but even sixty-four, those were smaller areas that you yeah. can you know whiz through in, in a minute or so. But I think that when you look at this this collection, um and the fact that Nintendo has, has made it clear, like, you, you know, you won't be able to buy these digitally or physically after March 31st, what that means, whether it goes into the vault and then in five years, it comes back out again. I have no idea. I mean, Disney even I think stopped doing that once they have Disney plus like wilds, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know what Nintendo is thinking here outside of just, trying to get a bunch of people to buy it before march 31st but i think if you like these games and you want to play them again playing them on the switch is the best way to do it and uh, yeah the translation of the motion control in, in mario galaxy is done fairly well and i think it really shows that more wii games can come back onto the switch there's been rumors of a skyward sword remake for a long time and if they were to bring that over they could emulate I know you're not gonna like this and and many people won't but they could emulate the sword uh movements with uh with the joy cons um (laughs) yeah it's it's not it's not great playing with the 3d pro or the pro controller when you're playing galaxy but for sort of controlling the star um I can't, I don't know what it's called. Like right, because the...
0: you had to like point at the screen and like mm. use your star cursor thing.
1: Yeah, the star cursor. You can just kind of like wave your controller around to collect the star bits and move your cursor around. But but when you really need to get that, you know, finite sort of uh, control over that star cursor, it works really well. Like you don't have to point it. You just, you recenter with the R button and make the star go in the middle and then you just, you know, move the controller a little bit and it, it feels rather, it feels good for quick and simple things, but... I really hope if they were to look at a Skyward Sword thing, like offer traditional controls in some fashion, I, I don't know how you do that with that game, whether you just, if knowing Nintendo, what they would do, they'd be just like, you have to play it with the Joy-Cons. It is what it is, you know, which I know is, is not ideal, but the game would look better, which would be nice. Cause I think a lot of people were complaining it was a little blurry. Um, you know, ourselves included, but I, I think they really did a good job at translating, the controls of the wii to the switch and uh it also has like uh handheld controls as well so instead of pointing with the pointers while you're playing handheld you can just touch the screen to shoot Mm. and collect the star bits which works really well again in a pinch to just have to do a quick thing it's not annoying but i could imagine if you if you had a a wii game like skyward sword and you tried to port that to the switch there's no way you'd wanna do it by holding the whole switch with one hand and you know rubbing the screen with your other finger, right <laughs> I mean that's what you're doing, right you're not pointing, you're just kinda of like you know just moving your finger across just the screen,
0: rubbing around, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, I wasn't gonna say that, but <laughs> you did uh but yeah it's it's solid, I think again, this is available digitally until the end of March. uh, it's not gonna go on sale. I don't think you have to worry about these games coming in any other fashion after this so if you have if you have any attachment to these three games i think it's it's worth picking up this collection i don't think you're going to see anything else like this on this on the switch you might see in before
0: like next year there's like nintendo plus and it's like a subscription service with all of it's just the full virtual console library (laughs) but even then you know
1: they they are presenting those original you know uh virtual console games in their original emulation like i don't think you're going to get the super mario 64 that you have in this collection um in in a in a nintendo online n64 virtual sort of service i I don't know that for a fact, obviously, but the next system to port over would be either Game Boy or n64 and if they did n64 you'd be playing the original games emulated I, there there has been work done i I think you know i'm not I'm not a game developer, but I, I look at this and I'm like, there's no way this is a a straight em it is an emulation like they are emulating each one of these games, but there's work done on top of it to to give it a a new a new look and shine but again, someone in in the Discord could certainly correct me on that I, I, but i i know there was work done maybe less work done to super mario 64 because it runs in like it's not even full screen it runs it runs in only yeah. letterbox, but but also like shrunken even further i noticed that when i was playing on handhelds like this is this is like even smaller than the screen i think it runs at like six forty p or something yeah <laughs> in dock mode like it, it's a great collection and the only reason to skip it is is if uh If you don't like the 3D Mario games, right? And if you like one of them, and I can totally understand being like, I hope they sell them piecemeal because I only want Galaxy or I only want Sunshine. I can totally understand that path. And, you know, not wanting to drop $90 just to play one of these, because that is a stretch. But if you want to play all three, you might as well pick it up and just have it sitting there for a rainy day, for sure.
0: Which is basically what i've done mm-hmm. um the other thing that you got into this week was a netflix documentary that i have heard like basically nothing about so tell oh. me about high score
1: well high score speaking of super honestly i support.
0: haven't really been like living too much in the netflix universe i've been uh like watching a lot of like crave and well twitch obviously as well but um like streaming service wise, I just I haven't even opened Netflix in a while. So like I did not know that this was a thing. <laughs> yeah, this is
1: it's a really great series. Uh, this kind of shows how long it takes, you know, me to finish um, a series that that only I'm interested in. So usually with shows, I'll be able to get through it in a couple weeks, weeks um, if both Ashley and I are watching. But a documentary about the sort of 80s, 90s, uh, ver- 80s and 90s history of video games. It's it's something I had. You're kind
0: of on your own. <laughs> yeah,
1: I was. Uh, I was. I, it was dangerous, and I had to go alone. You know, so uh, <laughs> I grabbed the the sword and Legend of Zelda, and I went. So this is a documentary on Netflix, and it's narrated by Charles Martinet, who's the uh, the voice actor for Mario. Um, it he does not do the Mario <laughs> voice. He he just he just he d- uses normal voice, which I think is great. Um, it's it's a. It's a serious... It's not a serious... It's not a totally serious look at at the history. They have some fun with it. So you might have watched some documentaries or some shorts on sort of the fall of Atari and the E.T. game where it's a bunch of them are buried in a New Mexico, you know, uh, in New Mexico desert. And those takes are usually like the doom and gloom, the crash of the video game industry. But this doc, this documentary series, there's six episodes... It kind of looks at all of these, you know, highs and lows of the early video game industry with a very positive and and glowing light. Um but it's still very educational. Like you you it goes over a lot. Like it talks about sort of the boom and bust in the 80s with Atari, then the emergence of Nintendo and how they got their start in America. Um, they talk specifically about role-playing games for a whole episode and they got dive deep on that with some early RPGs on PC with uh, Richard Garriott and, and the, the Sierra stuff. Uh, and then they go into the Nintendo Sega Wars, which I knew of, but didn't know a lot about. There's a lot in there about how more about the tactics those companies used and what Sega was doing at the time. Like Sega, the history of Sega is also like this muddy field for me in that i knew i knew a lot about nintendo because I, I played a lot of nintendo stuff as a kid the sort of fight between nintendo and sega wasn't present for me because again like I, I had cousins who had sega and they had sega and that was fine but i didn't really understand sort of it, it was just different hardware right but
0: Yeah, I feel like we were still a little bit too young to really understand what was going on there.
1: Yeah, but there's a lot that they get into with this 30 minute episode about about the console wars that is very interesting. They talk about the rise of Sega and how they eventually did, you know, beat out Nintendo. They, uh, you know, at a certain Christmas, they they reached into the number one slot and Nintendo had like 95 percent of the video game industry, which is crazy to think about Yeah, now. Uh, and where we're at. Um, and that actually led me down a rabbit hole to discover that there's a, there's a documentary. Obviously, we don't have access to it because it's in the States. Uh, CBS All Access has the uh, Console Wars documentary, which is an hour and a half dive specifically on the Nintendo Sega war. And that's based on a book. Uh, I don't know how to access it here in Canada yet. Um, so I'm I'm still waiting for that. I thought maybe it would pop up on Crave, but it's not there. Um, so we'll see when that comes, but they talk about video game violence with the mortal Kombat stuff and the Senate hearings and, you know, the ESRB coming in and they kind of close it all off with like the transition from 2d to 3d. So it's, it kind of goes through that early phase and jumps out right around sort of the N64 PlayStation era. It doesn't go into, you know, the fall of saga and the PS2 and the Xbox, um, I think there's more they could do with like a sequel series and kind of look at that era. Cause it's also very interesting. The rise of PlayStation, um, is a very interesting sort of, uh, thing they could look into and, um, the fall of Sega and the rise of Xbox as well. So there's, there's still more they could do there. It is a limited series. I don't think there's any sort of word on like a second series, but I would love to see them continue in this style. Um, like a second series, looking at the, late 90s early 2000s i think that would be really really cool but uh it's it's really worth checking out uh, if you have any interest in sort of the the early years well early years for me some people are probably going to be like oh that wasn't early years that those were the years yeah
0: you you youngin (laughs) yeah i didn't mean mean early
1: (laughs) i didn't mean to. those
0: were my (laughs) mid-years yeah
1: yeah exactly i didn't mean to i hope i didn't you know, upset anyone, but like for me, those were my early, those were early years, you know, and and (laughs) I didn't, I I didn't know a lot about sort of the, uh, the the stuff we know now, like we're, we're, we're in the industry now, we're doing this podcast, we know what's going on, we have some news stories we're going to talk about where if, if you had asked 10 year old Ryan, whether he new about new companies starting up and publishers and crunch it's like no like when's the new mario game coming out great that's
0: <laughs> that's so, all i need to know exactly so none of really behind cool. the school uh, behind the school behind the scenes <laughs> shenanigans <laughs> exactly
1: so it's it's a really easy digestible watch 30 minute episodes six episodes uh it's totally worth checking out i highly recommend it
0: Very, very cool. I highly recommend patreon.com slash the gamers in if you guys would like to support the show, it's the best way to do so. We are currently looking for our October patron. And we also have started our 2020 extra life campaign. So if you guys want to support the Children's Miracle Network of hospitals, we're going to be doing this pretty much from now till the rest of the year. Head to bit.ly slash TGI Extra Life 2020 for a link to the team and you can go in there and support any one of us individually. We'll be doing multiple events throughout the fall up until Christmas. And uh, yeah, I think this year we're probably going to end up, especially since, you know, we can't go as many places as we have in past years. So uh, many, many more weekends are open than normal, including game day. So uh, I think we're going to get quite a few streams in this year and we're going to be playing on Extra Life Game Day because I will not be in California. So that's exciting. And uh, yeah, so uh, do go and check that out again. That is bit.ly slash TGI Extra Life 2020, which brings us to the news. We are going to lead off with something I've already talked about quite a bit in the last week. But Ryan, I have not heard your take yet. Mike Morheim, who was the CEO of Blizzard, who left in 2018. Has created a new company called Dreamhaven, which is made up almost entirely of Blizzard alumni. And when I say Blizzard alumni, it's a lot of really big names who have been game directors on things like Diablo, StarCraft, Warcraft 3, World of Warcraft. Like all the big name Blizzard people that you've heard leave in the last, you know, 18 months or so. Spoiler alert, they're all working at Dreamhaven now, so... Yeah, there's very much a sentiment of um excited to see what the what Dreamhaven has to offer, but also the number of people calling it Blizzard 2.0 is is there's a lot of them. <laughs> so mm um yeah they have uh launched the new company now it's gone public or it's gone public in terms of not like stock offerings uh mike morhaime is actually very very clear that he is retaining control of this company unlike blizzard which he lot. um i guess not lost control of he sold in in 1994 um so he's he's very adamant about keeping hold of dreamhaven so if you guys want my uh like super duper in-depth thoughts i did uh very long segment over on the angry chicken podcast. You can go and check that out on YouTube, just search for the angry chicken. Uh or you can also uh check it out over on for Azeroth because we talked about it for a little while over there as well. So, I've already kind of talked this topic, not necessarily to death, but Ryan, I'm interested to know if you're excited or what you think about the announcement of Dreamhaven.
1: I I think my first reaction when I saw this was just extreme joy that these folks get to build games the way they they wanted to build games and uh you know blizzard is a company that uh, a lot of people love i i still like them and i like their games but when a company gets really big it is hard to maintain what morheim is doing with dreamhaven right they you got so big that you had to kind of business as usual right uh, a lot of people point to Activision and be like, oh, Activision is like, you know what? They're both really big companies, and then when they joined forces, they became a really, really big company. But when you look at Dreamhaven and this announcement, and Mike Morheim getting to do what he, what he, what he did at Blizzard, and and do it again, like this is this is not surprising that he's doing this. I'm just happy that he's doing it, and that he he wants to continue building these games the way he wants to build them, right? Um, I think it was easy to see that he wasn't necessarily happy with, with his last few years at Blizzard and a lot of people who are now working under the Dreamhaven banner weren't happy. Uh, that's the reason they're, they're not at Blizzard anymore, but (laughs) I think this is, uh, it just, it just makes me happy. I don't know what games they're going to play and I'm not sitting here saying, oh, I can't wait to play whatever game comes out of this studio because there are games even Blizzard did that I didn't really play or, or latch on to. And we've talked about that on the show, but I'm excited for these folks that are going to get to, pl- you know, build their games the way they want to build them. And I, I like that philosophy. It, it it created some of the greatest games that blizzard put out. Right. So if they're going to duplicate that process here, uh, and it's, it really seems like that's, that's the case. I, I can't wait to see what they do and, and give it a shot, you know, and, and hopefully, you know, these folks like Dustin Browder, like I was really excited that he was working on something new at Blizzard. And then when I found he left, like that was really deflating, right? But now that he's doing something like this under a banner run by Mike Morheim, that's really exciting. You know, maybe we'll get another RTS. Who knows? That would be fantastic. Can we get another yeah, one of those? It's,
0: it's really interesting because um they, they do talk about the, uh, I mean, first of all, these announcements like we said there's no games tied to this. This is basically the start of a new studio. Although some of the people working there have been talking about playtesting so they do have they have things built but nothing they're ready to kind of announce yet, which is fine. Um but they're very like it is a very PR speaky announcement. But if you take it at face value, which I mean, they're always going to be a company and they're always going to want to make money, but they definitely ticked a lot of boxes that I think the industry needed to hear. And we're going to talk about Cyberpunk 2077 in a couple minutes. And I think that's a perfect example of like uh, polar opposite kind of philosophies. And And maybe Cyberpunk 2077 is a perfect example of where mike morheim's kind of thinking is is going to just naturally end up because in the end you know you've got deadlines the one thing is now that mike morheim has created this company i guess you can call it an indie it is a small indie company now actually
1: (laughs) with millions (laughs) Um, and millions behind it. with
0: millions and millions of dollars behind it exactly but you know still small team small company a little bit more agile potentially than something like um Oh my God, uh, CD Projekt Red. I was like totally blanking on the actual company name. Um, So, you know, maybe a little bit more agile and maybe not necessarily tied to release dates the same way Cyberpunk 2077 is like, hey, November, end of story. Um, But they tried to, CD Projekt Red tried to say, we're not going to crunch, we're not going to anything, we're going to delay and put it out when it's ready, which is all not only old-school Blizzard thinking, but also very much Dreamhaven Mike Morheim thinking in this press release, very much saying, we want to prove to the industry you can make games without, you know, like, or while still being fair to your employees, you can uh, make games and be profitable without putting profits before gameplay. Like, we want to be an example for the industry. And I think CD Projekt Red had a lot of those same sort of similarities, saying, you know, We're seeing all the negativity in the industry. We don't want to go that same way. We're not going to crunch. We're not going to this. We're not going to that. Everything's going to be fine. We're just going to delay, delay, delay. Well, they hit the end of their, um, I guess, (laughs) delays, allowable delays. They have committed to their November release date. And now we're finding out today that that means that they are now requiring their employees to work an extra day in the week. So until the release of 2077, They are requiring a six day work week instead of a five day work week, which again goes against what they had originally promised. So as much as I'm excited for Mike Morheim and Dreamhaven, I am a little worried that it's going to go the Cyberpunk
1: 2077 route. Yeah, I mean, they I'm they crunched at blizzard like
0: uh oh yeah really bad (laughs)
1: you know and 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 probably you know it when mike Morma had complete control over his teams like crunch is a thing that has existed forever in a software or even video game industry right and uh i i think when you look at the story from cd project red the the idea that they are they're coming back with crunches because like, like you said, a year ago, they, they said, well, we're not going to do crunch. We're going to be healthier for the industry. But when it comes right down to it, you know, they already, like they delayed the game, um, to delay it further or to launch with, you know, game breaking bugs. Um, I think the, the studio head, uh, Adam Badowski says, you know, he takes it upon himself to receive the full backlash. This is in direct opposition of what we said about crunch, direct opposition I think that he just repeats himself a couple times the same thing. (laughs) Maybe he's been working a lot of crudge, but uh, he they absolutely wanted to change. But at the end of the day, you know, you commit to a date and they don't want to change that date. And, you know, they want to get it out and they don't
0: want to launch with a terrible product or, you know, a broken product.
1: Yeah. But they say, like, we've extended all other possible means of navigating the situation. So is it a business decision is it is it a decision of like no we just really do want to hit the date i mean at the end of the day it's about money it's about yeah wanting the game out when new consoles launch even though the game isn't it, it isn't the enhanced version that's going to be playable uh for these new systems but it will run better uh it's just it's interesting um I I think this is a great example of like, maybe don't tell Kotaku that you're going to, you're going to eliminate crunch when you're one of the, one of the few studios that are releasing these giant massive games that require a, like a lot of unforeseen issues can come up. Can you mean change a a hair color and the whole game crashes, you know?
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And I think the other thing I did want to mention, because as much as yes, they are, they are crunching to finish this project uh, they are also, you know, only six to seven weeks away from their release date and they are, though they are requiring the six day work week, they are paying for the six day work week. And from what I understand, not adding any overtime on their normal, like work days. So you will still work your same work days, except then you'll also have to come in on, you know, Saturdays or Sundays, I'm guessing. Um, so, Not to say that this is justified in any way, shape or form, but at the same time, it's like paid overtime, which is something that not everybody gets and that we have not seen in the industry. Uh, We have seen stories of unpaid overtime going up to, you know, 80 hour work weeks or more, like, you know, requiring 16 to 20 hour work days. And, you know, the crunch stories that we've seen in the past few years have been excessive and this seems to be a uh planned and compensated uh version of crunch so not that it's ever a good thing but this is not the only industry that has overtime. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know like so i think that this is probably the best way to do it is to still especially since i was saying this to ryan um off air at the beginning like you know we are still in a pandemic you probably shouldn't be you know traveling and seeing big groups of people and going to parties or whatever else you might be doing on a saturday so maybe you know of all the times to crunch this is a good time to crunch because you're going to be sitting at home anyways <laughs> so
1: and you're going to want to get place. yeah so i, I think <laughs> the the core issue you're right it is it is a uh it is a compensated overtime um i think the word it would still be
0: better to do it in you know your regular work week and your regular work hours but if you are going to require overtime at least it's scheduled and paid properly well
1: this is the thing i I think a lot of people take it's, it's i think it was jason schreier who who had tweeted it i think the core issue is it's it appears to be mandatory crunch and i think that's that is one of the issues that the industry has with crunch is that it's there's this pressure to do it. And if you don't do it, there are repercussions either socially or career wise, you know. And well, yeah, But
0: I think that's not a video game industry thing specifically, no. though. There's all kinds of industries that have overtime requirements and some paid some paid just in time in lieu. And honestly, especially if you work in an industry or in a job where you have a like extreme demands on your time like say uh okay i'll I'll use my mom for instance uh so she works at a school which means that she often is required to work overtime she doesn't get paid anymore she gets time in lieu but she can't take time off during like school instruction weeks and she already gets time off on, like, March break. So she's like, well, when am I supposed to take... Like, you keep giving me vacation. When am I supposed to take vacation? <laughs> like, never. there are no more weeks in the year <laughs> that uh, that I can actually take this time. So in, like, a case like that, where they're like, hey, take loo time, but also you're never allowed to go on vacation... Like, well, what good does lu time give me? <laughs> At least here, it's like, okay, you have to work Saturdays for six weeks, but um, also here's a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. Like, I will take the money each and every time.
1: <laughs> some, some places, you know, they'll they'll say like you can take the money or you can take time, but we don't want you to take the money. So if you take the money, it's like, yeah, we're probably less likely to ask you to do this again. But so maybe just take the the time off. I think it. You're right. It is it is an issue that exists everywhere um in all workplaces even workplaces that you know you think oh this is really great it's it's controlled it's like well there are issues the stuff comes up you know and yeah i yeah. think you, you like you said you looking at the release date for cyberpunk 2077 you've got realistically what, two three weeks before you know uh you get it you go gold right because gold going gold and preparing the final disc like that has to happen I think at least a month before the release date. And then you, you start focusing on the day one patch. So they could work right up until a week before release. I mean, you've got a month tops in, in with my limited knowledge of, of how, you know, game development works. I would say a month at most of, of solid crunch time that you need to do before you have to send your patches to cert, right? Cause those patches have to go to Microsoft and Sony to pass, so that on day one they are available to play the game. So mm-hmm. it's it's less There's than... a lot of
0: deadlines to hit in the lead yeah.
1: up to a release date. So maybe this is just one of those things where they in order to hit the finish line the way they want to hit it, they had to make it mandatory and then, yeah, it sucks. We're no one's excusing it. But um maybe maybe next time and, and again we're in a pandemic, so like the fact that they made it all the way till now and they're they're requiring it. That's not to say people weren't working crunch before this. There were people who were working late. I think it still happened there like it happens at every video game developer, but this appears to be an all hands on deck, let's get this thing done type situation because there's at least there's got to be there's only like a month left of of solid work time that they can get done before they have to pencils down, right? Um, <laughs> november is creeping up on us (laughs) i know people don't want to hear that (laughs) so
0: yeah but apparently it's almost october already so yeah yeah um and so speaking of video game companies and and bringing games to launch um there was a sequel that had been announced not too long ago for among us which is a game that we can't um that we covered i guess was it last week we talked about among us and they have now canceled the sequel because the original game is getting too popular. So Among Us released in 2018, and the developer had said that they were going to create a, a new Among Us title, Among Us Two, and you know, they were going to they had a whole bunch of big plans. And now they've stated that instead of um creating a sequel, they are going to take all the content that they plan to put into Among Us 2 and put us in the base game of Among Us instead. So Canceling the sequel in order to update, upgrade, and uh, add on to the base game is uh, quite an interesting decision. I think as much as I mean, like I know I've been championing the cause of Among Us because it's really, really fun and it's super accessible. But uh, I think this is uh, even another reason to support this developer. I mean, Among Us itself right now is like five bucks on the Canadian Steam Store, so it's it's basically a steal. And um, they've made uh, just leaps and bounds in the past couple of weeks with the stability of their client and their servers because the demand that they went from like, I think it was something like three or 4.5 average um, like hourly users up to over 100,000 in the space of a week. (laughs) So the server load alone and the logistics of that going from hosting like one party of 10 to like... 10,000 parties of 10. <laughs> they uh they've definitely done well I think to keep up with demand. So this is just another reason I think to support them. The fact that they're going to take all of their uh developer resources and all of their ideas and and put it in the base game that we've that we've already bought for 5 bucks as opposed to charging us 30, 40 bucks for a sequel and uh kind of uh racing off of that popularity.
1: Yeah. Oh, this is a really cool decision for them to make. I, I mean, yeah they could easily have looked at this like okay let's stabilize one let's bring out two get another hit from these folks um but that's such a that's a crazy jump from like an average of four five people playing the game yeah to over that's
0: two over a yeah I, and yeah, that's not crazy. even like on not even like beta to launch or any like there was no kind of precipitating event other than like one streamer kind of happened upon the game and started playing it and created a whole bunch of YouTube videos of the, of the craziness that ensued with him and all his streamer friends. And before you know it, Among Us just explodes. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. It's it, it's a really cool success story, and it just goes to show, like, throw it all at the wall. I mean, we have yeah. that. <laughs> you, you have that opportunity with the way you can put games out there, and I think this is one of those... It's it's needle in a haystack. There are a lot of games out there, and not everything catches on like this. But I think when this shows, when you're when you're designing a game uh that you feel is 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 what you want to design, and not like oh we got to hit those those Twitchers, you know, we got to get the the Twitch streams running, you know. Uh, I think that's where where games sort of fail. But I mean, I don't know what the development story of Among Us is, but I'm I'm guessing they just built a game and they wanted to be successful and for two years they had five people a day playing it and now they have a bunch of people playing it so
0: <laughs> yeah exactly uh and then uh we also found out this week in terms of price wise to kind of shift the conversation over to consoles that it's gonna cost us oh big dollars uh 220 us or 300 dollars canadian to upgrade the storage on your xbox series x and xbox series s consoles
1: <laughs> yeah that's some uh sticker shock right that, that's what they call it right when you see a big yes, price and you're like, when oh. you see a
0: giant price and you're just like that's not what i was expecting yeah that's sticker shock this is extreme i mean i don't know what i was expecting because i mean it's they're upgradable storage which if i want to put a new hard drive in my computer. I wouldn't necessarily balk at 220 US to, to put another terabyte in my computer, but I don't know. This It's just when you already have a, a console with a fairly, you know, it's not, it's not as high as we thought it was going to be, but it's still a fairly decent price. And then you're like, oh, and by the way, you need to buy your games. And oh, and by the way, you also need to buy your storage. And yeah, it just, it's like they took, what we thought was going to be the price and then broke all the pieces out. And now they're selling them to us individually. So yeah, you can get it done, but also <laughs> if you want the best experience, it's going to cost you over and over and over again. Why? <laughs> I mean,
1: you can buy an Xbox series X and play your games. It's got a terabyte drive. And I know a terabyte's not going to last forever. If this generation lasts, let's even say on the short end, five years, you're gonna fill up that terabyte drive. Um and and you might wanna expand by another terabyte. At, but, but really like it comes down to you can do some storage swapping, some uninstalling, you can move games off of that drive. Like they, they go into a lot of detail here and uh in this article on the Xbox Wire. And I think it's really interesting because they they say you can use the existing external drive you have with your Xbox One or or any 3.1 hard drive and plug it into the back of the Series X, and you use that for all your, any Xbox, you can store any Xbox game. You know, uh, even an Xbox Series X game, you just have to make sure that when you want to play it, you move it back. You That's move good. it over. Yeah. yeah, it's good for archiving, but you can run all your Xbox One, all your backwards compatibility games that don't specifically have an optimized for tag on it. So an old older right. Xbox One game, You might as well run it off the hard drive don't let it take up space on the uh the internal new hard
0: drive Yeah, yeah the the fancy one so the reason for this cost is and basically this is exactly what we were talking about when we were having the apple headphones conversation so basically what they've said is the xbox velocity architecture is their key innovation so putting that on the hard drive like ryan said the all the games that are optimized for xbox series x are done so partly because of the i guess architecture on the storage now i don't know enough about computer hardware to know if they're blowing smoke up my butt or if this is like an actual innovation or if they're just you know (laughs) pulling an apple and hiding behind a fancy name that sounds real fast that no one else can keep up with like i don't know how how real this is and how the how much difference it actually makes from um like a storage perspective i know that obviously um like retrieving data and processing data as fast as possible is going to be impacted by like how fast you can read and write to that hard drive um, i just don't know if we're talking about like a difference of 0.00001 from a normal hard drive to the xbox velocity hard drives but yeah, like I, I like I said, I don't know enough about hardware to really make that determination. But this feels a whole lot like, hey, here's a bunch of fancy names. Um, our SSD is better than all the others, so therefore, <laughs> you have to pay extra money for ours. <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, when it comes right down to it, and I, I I'm also with you. I don't, I don't have. When I catch up to PC knowledge, it, it it jumps ahead. Like this this type of technology, I, the NVMe SSD style stuff, I don't have those. I just got onto SSDs like a couple years ago, so this is all this is all new to me. And this is a miniaturized version of what you would normally get. And I did a quick search on Newegg, and and a, a terabyte version runs from 250 to 300 plus for the equivalent of a a gen four one terabyte stick they look like sticks which is weird it 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 looks like (laughs) it looks like backwards ram you know it's like higher more vertical ram and maybe that's what it is i don't know uh but but when you look at costs like it is comparable and really when you unless you're buying every xbox series x game and installing it and wanting to play it and switch between them one every day you don't really need the expansion yet. And these things are going to come down in cost when you need them in a year when you absolutely need them. And you have three or four games as a service and a couple of other high profile games you like to go back to, then you can pick this up and I imagine it will be cheaper, probably not cheap enough that you'll be like, wow, that's a steal. Cause it to come down from 300, I could see it being, you know, coming down to 200 at some point for, for expandable storage, like, I mean, we're used to memory, like expandable storage, like SD cards and, and hard, like plug in hard drives, we've gotten used to the fact that they cost under a 100 bucks when they're on sale. So st- seeing a $300 sticker on this one terabyte drive, like that's a lot they're packing into that thing. But really, I'm just being so passive on it, because I don't think I would, I, w- I would need it. Like I'm the I'm the king, the king of min-maxing subscriptions and stuff. And for me, I like I'll yeah. plug I'll plug in a hard drive in the back. And when there's a game I know I'm not going to want to go back to, I'll just archive it to the hard drive or delete it for that matter. Meanwhile,
0: so, there's me who's sitting here going, "Well, my drive is full. Guess you know, I better go spend three hundred dollars." The thing is, like
1: Sony's going to have this issue as well. And yeah, when you look at the yeah. Sony side; they haven't laid out their plan for this stuff their strategy i think right now it's one terabyte it's going to be fine to replace that one terabyte drive internally i don't think people can correct me on this i don't think they've talked about external you know options whether they'll have a expansion slot or you know allow you to plug in a a usb version of this like i don't think they have external storage that will mimic the internal storage and, and take advantage of all those capabilities. I think your option is whatever's inside uh, the, the console, and you can replace that with a... It will be swappable. They did say you could, you could take it out and replace it with a, with a higher capacity, but at launch, you would be spending... To get a 2 terabyte version to match that drive and that speed probably going to be more expensive, right, than $300. Yeah. And then what do you do with the old one? Probably throw it into one of your computers like I've done in the past. But I don't think this is going to be expensive across the board. You know, the only one laughing here is is nintendo who's still able to run their old (laughs) mario games off a micro sd card i mean you can buy those for 100 bucks (laughs) you're fine
0: yeah it's so true oh my god i can't even remember what i paid for mine but it was disgustingly low compared to uh (laughs) what it looks like it's gonna cost for xbox and playstation so yeah it's uh i mean the more details we get the more money i can see just flying out my wallet but you know it happens it's it's that time of year slash Expansion console cycle. Whatever. Um so finally tonight we have uh one more news story and Ryan, I'll admit this one is one that kind of uh slipped underneath my radar, but apparently Amazon is also getting into the cloud gaming service game. Uh and their their entry is called Luna. So tell me about Luna. What is Amazon up to? <laughs> have they not learned from Stadia? <laughs> well, they have,
1: actually, because when you look at this service, this is what We want this is what we were looking for a way to quickly play games streamed, um, but not have to purchase said games, uh, separately. I know Nvidia took the process of like you just access your PC games and we we serve them to you, right? So you already bought the game and you're able to play them. In this instance, Amazon's uh cloud gaming platform Luna is going to launch with an introductory price of six dollars a month in the states and it it'll have hundreds of games at launch that are part of the subscription so as long as you're subbed similar to uh game pass you'll be able to stream these games uh through luna and outside of that it works very similarly to stadia it has the direct wi-fi controller it's going to be available on pc mac and uh, uh iphone and ipad through web apps so i think that's their sort of work around so you can work you can, you'll you be able to play through like chrome or safari uh and then also amazon devices like fire tv so it it really seems like they've taken what should work for stadia but fixing that one core issue which is we know streaming isn't going to replace owning you know physical games or or even downloading physical games so offering a what could be a ten dollar subscription fee at full launch to let you play all these games instantly and that i mean that's kind of what we were looking for a way to play these games streaming but not have to repurchase games we might already own and it's
0: so did they did they say so you just have access to a catalog then similar mm -hmm. to game pass now did they say um how many games are in here well
1: i think they say it's going to launch with i don't know if they say hundreds or yeah so amazon says more than 100 games will be available via the luna plus channel uh, launch titles include resident evil 7 uh, plague tale control these are all like two a year to two year control is probably the most recent one so these yeah. aren't like new games at least stadia has the option of you buying and playing new games uh but another cool thing that's part of this is you know amazon loves their add-ons their subscriptions they're all about saying hey get our base subscription but if you want to get this pay a little extra they're offering channels for this thing so you'll be able to subscribe to publisher specific channels and the first one they're launching with is Uplay. um so ubisoft games you'll be able to play By subscribing to um, an ubisoft channel and play their games at launch so that channel will launch with assassin's creed valhalla far cry 6 and phoenix when they come out
0: this is giving me like cable vibes Hmm. you know like buy base cable and then subscribe to the extra channel packages that's what this is reminding me of
1: (laughs) i think you know a lot of people make that connection and someone who, who actually went through the hassle of calling into a cable company and changing the package and how all that shit works, where like, if you subscribe to that, if you subscribe to TV, you get the TV savings. But then if you reduce your TV too much, they take away those savings, even though you still have TV with them. It's absolutely ridiculous. And then changing things is like, you can do it quickly online, but trying to add or remove, you have to call in. I think... They're mimicking this 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 pay for subscription service that is very similar to cable TV and adding and subtracting services, but it all the control is is in your hands as a consumer to say, I want to do a month of Uplay and then cancel it and not have to jump through hoops and send back hardware. Like it's all, it's an added cost, which is fine. And I know a lot of people say like, oh, if I have Netflix and Disney Plus and Amazon and it it becomes more expensive, but Okay, like if you're watching all of that and you're enjoying the content, and yeah, it is expensive, but I think like all the power is in your hands, so it's interesting, like I think, um, if they get a lot of people on board, more publishers to do more of these channels, you could see yourself jump i mean, it's terrible for folks who forget to cancel their subscriptions. I get that, <laughs> but if you know, even with like look at the u play subscription right now or an e a subscription. If you know you want to play a game and you only want to play it for a couple months, it's cheaper to subscribe, you know, and then you get access to all their other stuff, too. So it's it's one of those things where you just got to keep on top of it and and make sure you're not, you know, subscribing. I can't
0: touch it with a 10 foot pole is what you're saying. (laughs) I,
1: I mean, unless you want to set up some reminders like that's how I do it. I set up reminders like if I subscribe for something, I either cancel right away or I say, hey, make sure you cancel on this date. but. It's, I've not tried one of these services outside of NVIDIA Go, um, and that kind of worked, but again, like, I have a computer sitting right here, I could just play, but the idea of maybe streaming, like, a 4K version of Assassin's Creed Valhalla at launch, that might be worth testing out to see how much it is, uh, as opposed to buying it and then trying to get it to run on either, you know, an old Xbox or, or my dated PC, but uh, it's this was we knew we knew Amazon was going to do this like they have Twitch. This is the next logical leap like they have they own the largest video game streaming website with uh, or streaming content, you know, with Twitch. Google was running into this with sort of the secondhand tools, right? Like YouTube does it, but isn't quite the preferred platform. You know, Google's offering you to buy the games again with also a subscri- subscription. So this is this just makes sense. It's kind of an easy business decision for Amazon, but whether they'll you know run with it and and uh, and actually be successful is another thing. I mean, Amazon hasn't had the best luck with video games lately, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, it's it's in early. You can request early access in the U.S introductory price of $6 a month. um, And you can stream on two devices simultaneously offering 4K, 60 frames per second. So that's, that's pretty good. Like that's a, that's a pretty good deal, especially if you're able to play all of these games. Um, But uh, whether it'll work or not is another thing. And, and whether the subscription holds up, like if it, if it's like game pass, you kind of need to keep adding more games. But if this is a subscription subscription of, older games, like it might not be as popular as uh Game Pass or, or Apple Arcade, well, yeah, which I mean, is offering new experiences.
0: Yeah, exactly. With with day and date stuff on on Game Pass, that's kind of hard to compete with, I think. And and Game Pass is not as expensive as I originally thought it was going to be, considering we're getting so many of these like day of experiences, because it also incorporates your Xbox Live gold right which you know whether you thought you should ever be paying for that or not which i personally think it was really stupid to have to pay to access multiplayer on my games (laughs) um you know it it is what it is and it it had been that way for so long that it's like well now you've established the fact that i pay extra x number of dollars a month or year or however you had your subscription set up just to access the multiplayer functions of all of these games and then now on top of that you're giving me these games to play for free as long as I own game pass like to me that one that subscription is the the easy winner right now but um, maybe that'll change over time I also don't need a very specific controller or anything else or you know like I don't have to be in I guess I I'm in the the PC Microsoft ecosystem I guess that's fair. Maybe that's the thing is like, I don't have an Alexa. I don't have a fire. Like I'm looking at this going like, okay, I need all of these things plus the fancy controller and I'm just going to not.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I like Stadia. I don't know who this is for. In my mind, it's cool technology and it's, I've been meaning to test it to see how it runs, but I don't think it ever replaces the way I play games um because if, as i've said here before like if i'm away from home my internet capabilities go th- go through the floor right like yeah you know, yeah and i think when you look at what microsoft I think maybe is
0: offering, we're just not the target audience here
1: we're not and i think that's where you know amazon maybe looking at year plus old games as part of a low dollar subscription is a great way to look at it because they're targeting a different market that might not be playing as many games or many games at launch, so that it's okay to have, you know, non-launch titles available as part of the subscription. I think control right. Is they're still
0: they're still potentially new to the demographic that they're going after here, or yeah. the, the audience that yeah. they're going after here.
1: But I mean, Game Pass is one of those things that everything's bundled into Ultimate. Um, you you pay that's fifteen dollars a month you also get access to cloud gaming so you get access to xcloud as part of that ultimate subscription so if the best like you said the best subscription is game pass it's a little more expensive but everything's in there and uh it's just i'm confused i'm i'm kind of just confused as to why amazon would go with this in the sense, I know I said it was a good fit but now i'm thinking about it, it's like stadia really hasn't been nailing it out of the park and they really only no. addressed one concern
0: Although I mean, it was probably the biggest concern I think with the platform was the fact that Stadia was like, Hey, we made a thing, but also our catalog's real small and also you have to pay us full price for all these games. And also we have you need a subscription to access our network. Like, get out of here, Stadia. You're drunk. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, maybe the maybe the return on investment is is uh is good in the sense that they they don't have a lot of high costs like they already have like amazon and google they already have already a lot have. of this
0: uh infrastructure
1: exactly so I, I mean i don't know what the numbers are i know google hasn't shut it down yet um and amazon is kind of terrible at quitting things so maybe they'll they'll be good to keep going uh but it's uh it'll be interesting to watch really uh, i don't think the next I think the new consoles are proving that streaming is still not going to be able to kind of keep up with what new consoles can do. Like we're not quite there yet, especially with internet infrastructure, but maybe next generation, it'll be more of a conversation. But I think streaming is still just kind of a a novelty or an add on for for folks like us. Yeah, so we'll see
0: we shall see and uh, i think that's pretty much gonna do it for us this week if you'd like to email the show and let us know your thoughts on any of the stories we covered tonight you can email us at info at gamersinpodcast.com or you can continue the conversation over in our discord which is bit.ly slash tgi discord or you can follow us on twitter you can find me jocelyn at joss plays brian is at R. murphy and don't forget to follow the show at the gamers in thanks for staying at the gamers In. remember tune in next week bye everybody bye everyone